Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers throughout the Quad Cities area. I'm Sean Leary, your host, and today my guests are Tristan Tapscott and Jonathan Turner. Tristan and Jonathan are both, like myself, um, reporters who cover the local arts scene here for QuadCities.com. And both of them have varied histories, as do I. Uh, Jonathan um, was a reporter for The Dispatch in Rock Island Argus, and he also was a reporter for the Quad City Times. And like myself, he was uh, released from his contract from those august organizations. Um, Jonathan has also been a performer in the area and has performed with some local theaters around the Quad Cities. Tristan uh, has been performer with Circa 21 for quite a while, and um, he and I used to run a theater together. He ran his own theater with uh, Harrison Hilltop and District Theater, and he also has a very wide and varied resume of interesting and intriguing artistic projects. So, between the three of us, uh, we've (coughs) seen the Quad City art scene firsthand for the last uh, couple decades, back since the the mid to late 90s at least, uh, we've been a part of this. So I think we got pretty good perspective on things. And I think I speak for all three of us in saying that we've never seen anything at all like this before. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. And and how do you, what do you think about that? It's hard to believe, um, yeah, the, the economic devastation and the way everything shut down has obviously had um, a crippling impact on many businesses, but particularly arts arts and culture, everything being closed is, is really tough on everyone. And the arts organizations, the theaters that Tristan can attest to, the performers trying to find an outlet to um, to still get their, their art and performance out there, and like, like most people, are shifting online so a lot of that content a lot of performances are are moving online and it's kind of a a, a pale substitute for the real thing but it hopefully generates some income for people yeah we it's an interesting time because we've never been here all together at the same time and and that's really at any level whether you're a broadway performer you're an actor out in la or you're an actor right here in the quad cities we've never all been here together like this so it's very interesting to see how people are innovating and trying to move things forward in the best way they know how but when you see that news of a place like the Guthrie Theater is canceling their entire season or the Globe Theater in uh, London is thinking about shuttering altogether that's shocking because those are big level players and so you can only imagine the devastation that you know a, a small community theater is going through right now well, I think you, you, it levels levels the playing field and puts everybody kind of on an equal footing, like you're saying, whether you're just a community theater or you're Broadway. And even even if things begin to open up, like things are opening up in the Iowa Quad Cities, um, you know, if, if theaters, restaurants, or bars reopen, will the public even want to take the chance and want to come out to those shows and performances? And how do those places, you know, still do social distancing and and allow for safely uh, providing for performers and the audiences? Well, I think one of the biggest things um, is the uncertainty of it. I mean, this that's been the case from the beginning, from the very start. About the only thing that was certain was that this was going to have a huge impact upon the art scene in particular because the art scene is so dependent upon live audiences. It's so dependent upon that interchange between the audience and the performer. And um, I remember when this first started talking to a number of people, Terry Tilka from Ribco, uh, Brett from Circa, um, and a number of other folks, and that was the biggest thing is that nobody knew when things were going to get back to a relative normal. And then aside from that, what people don't think of is prep time. I mean, you've got to have prep time in advance. You can't just, you know, if Governor Pritzker says, as he said yesterday, oh, everything's going to open back up on May 29th. Well, that's fantastic. But for arts organizations, they have a lot of lead time. And it's like when Terry was telling me, you know, if you're a Ribco, it takes you a month or two to book bands ahead of time you don't just you know call somebody up and go hey can you be here tomorrow 
And with Circa or any of the other theaters, there's lead time, there's rehearsal time. It takes a while to put a show together. So um, even if Pritzker is like, hey, we're ready to open up on May 29th, that means that the arts organizations can start to prepare to open up if they're going to even open. And then you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we still don't know if, you know, there's going to be – an uptick in cases if suddenly you know everything opens up and then within a month everything's shut back down again because there's a huge influx of cases there's that strange uncertainty yeah what's interesting is the may 29 thing is you know uh, no groups above 10 so you won't see any arts organizations even opening up anyway um but you know the interesting thing with circa is when we shut down, we had just closed Kinky Boots. None of us knew on that Saturday night, the final performance, that that was the last time we put in that building for over two months. Um, we went on with Saturday night to rehearsals, and we were in our first dress rehearsal, thinking that we were at least going to rehearse through the week and then shut down for maybe two weeks and come back. Well, that was back in March. Yeah. The show was supposed to close last weekend, and we still haven't opened it. Now, what's right. interesting about that is the actors are still in town. We're all still contracted for that show. There's still weekly rehearsals. And then once we, we get the okay to come back, we're having a full rehearsal period because the show's been shut down for so long, there's no way that we can go in tomorrow and do it. I think most of us would probably pull it off. But to give a, you know, a quality production, we need at least a week or two to get back in there, get get rehearsals, get tech going, because you know we've left so early in the, that process that you know we're not prepared to do it tomorrow. Um, we could do it probably by Monday or Tuesday. You know, we need a couple days. So what's interesting about that is the governor's not really, it's, it's a good timeline, but when he says, okay, well, everything well, it can open up next week, well, that's not, like you said, Sean, not enough time for an organization to have something ready. Now, what I will say what Circus doing is brilliant by keeping their cast on contract, keeping their cast in town, um, kind of communicating effectively with those that are not in town that we know we're going to do that show eventually. So Circa will be in a very interesting position because as soon as they say go, we can go mid-June, end of June, Circa's going to be like, all right, guys, this is what we're doing, and they'll have a show ready to go. Um, so then, know, kudos to Denny for making So Tristan, how do, they, how do they decide in terms of audiences what they're allowed in terms of their maximum capacity? Yeah, I just talked to Denny. I did an interview with him that came out on Circa 21's Facebook page about that very thing. Um, you know, they're going to have limited capacity, but the nice thing about Circa and how they're set up is they're set up for something like this if they need to. They're going to do kind of an every other table. Because, yeah, um, you have tables, right. Yeah, so, like, you know, they're, they're not like a lot of the theaters in town where it's just normal seating. They can kind of spread things out, and, um, you know, a lot of the restaurant rules apply to them. But they, you know, I will give them credit. They, they, they really have, have a handle on how to handle that going forward. But that interview I did with Denny's on his face is really fascinating. Sure, sure. Now, and Circa, of course, has a lot of challenges that some of the other places don't. One... A lot, the circ, a lot of Circa's audience is within that at-risk category. Um, at a lot risk. of older folks. Um, and they're also coming in, a lot of them are coming in on buses, which, again, impacts that. Because if you don't have the bus travel, if the bus services are closed down, then you don't have that large group of people coming in from out of town. You don't have that audience at all. So that's hamstringing things as well. Well, what's interesting about that is they've kind of seen a, you know, a, um, they've seen an uptick in local audiences as of late, too, I know. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of that, because that bus travel, that, that's just that's been a dying art for a while now. So mm-hmm. I think they've relied less and less on that. And as a performer there, I've seen, you know, we have buses once a week, maybe twice. You know what I mean? And so you're seeing a lot more of the local audiences support it. And I know, you know, following their Facebook page, and I'm kind of in charge of some of their social media right now, is there's a lot of people that cannot wait to come back. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's, sure. been, that's been interesting to see. You know, I think there's some people that are very concerned, but I know a lot of people cannot wait. I mean, to, as soon as they are ready to open, they are ready to call with a reservation. So what I think you're going to see from a lot of this, if there's a silver lining out of all of this, is there's going to be an uptick in support for arts organizations um, times 10 that probably like we've never seen before. 
because people want that live entertainment because you can get 20,000 views online and you can get that, but that doesn't really, you're, you can watch something online. Like there's a lot of theaters releasing footage of some of their shows and I know Circus done a lot of virtual cabarets. Yeah. But that does not match the heart that a live performance can give you. But live performance is a living, breathing thing and viewing something online is not the same. And I think a lot of people are finding that out that like, yeah, Netflix is great, but that doesn't match the lift you get when you can go to a live performance. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but I mean, I think with the audience situation, I think a real real challenge for a lot of the venues is if you're going to have limited capacity and limited audiences, you know, that makes it so much harder to recoup recoup financially from what, what you're losing over these months. And so you're already kind of exactly. having an obstacle, obstacle in place. People love to come back, but if you're only going to be at 50% capacity or whatever it is, um, you know, it's, it's hard enough to, to have a successful theater or musical um project so it's, it just makes it all the much harder well and i can tell you from my experience too like if if, I, if my theater was still open during this time we would not have made it because right. we were so oh, dependent yeah. upon ticket sales and that's why you know i feel for people at the spotlight black box um places like that that i know are dependent upon those ticket sales so sure. you know, if you have any funds to spare i know both of those organizations do have donations um, buttons on their websites right now and like man anything you can do to help them out because ticket sales and I you know I, I talked to Laura and, and Dave a little bit and I know Brent and Sarah are dealing with the same thing right. it, you know it's a very real thing and ticket sales are so important man like you know without ticket sales people don't have much and and I don't think a lot of people realize that, that they're just not you know they're not institutions that have unlimited pockets you know now, now black box Definitely. black box is still black box and circa are really the only two see theaters locally that have not officially canceled their summer canceled. seasons right yeah everyone else is canceled and it seems like both I, I haven't i haven't heard specifically with black box but it sounds like with circa you guys gonna start with Saturday Night Fever and they're just planning on pushing what was already scheduled. They're not postponing, they're just planning to go ahead once you reopen with those shows that were already scheduled. Yeah, it's gonna open with Saturday Night Fever. Um, and then still Beauty and the Beast following? Yeah, that's possible. And then I know one or two shows may be pushed back to next season, but we haven't gotten confirmation because I know they're waiting on to see when we can open and what can happen. But right. I know they're very committed to Saturday Night Fever because the set's done, the lights are done, the costumes are done, the cast is here. Right. Um, that's going to be the easiest thing financially to do. And a lot of people were looking forward to that. I know it was on track to be one of their best sellers. So, um, um, no, I'm trying to stay committed to that. I'm going to assume dramatists uh, and royalty companies are at, are uh, working with them in good faith to make sure that they're able to keep their seasons and they're not kind of sticking them in any way. Yeah, from what I'm hearing about every every theater in town is all of the licensing companies have been amazing to work with mm. and they're totally understanding because, you know, this is not just this area. This is worldwide. Yeah, you know? right. Of yeah, course, right. everyone is just you know, able to work with it any way they can. And I know Countryside um, was able to get most of their shows rescheduled. Music Guild was able to reschedule their entire season. Um, and I know Danny, before we shut down, he had said that, you know, a lot of the companies had already reached out to them saying, hey, if you have to cancel or postpone, we'll definitely work with you. So, you know, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation, so everybody is working together very well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about um, live music? I mean, we're looking at a situation where, unlike Circa or theater, you there isn't much social distancing whatsoever, and quite the contrary when you're going into a local into a, a live music venue, whether it's Ribco or it's a festival or you know whatever uh, the tax slayer. Everybody's packed in together, especially on the floor, and so it's going to be really tough to navigate if there's supposed to be social distancing and have live music and you're seeing that reflected in the fact that um we still don't know there's nothing there's nothing on the schedule whatsoever from tax slayer or the adler because most of the tours are all canceled um we're seeing some stuff in the fall 
you know, kind of wishful thinking. Um, Codfish Hollow has got some stuff out there uh, that's set for the fall. And um, the Rust Belt is looking at some stuff later on in the fall. But there's absolutely nothing that's been set through, you know, I think the earliest show I've seen is in October um, that's set up. And even then, uh, if you're looking at any sort of, you know, resurgence of this in the fall, that's going to be tough because of all the 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 mediums uh live music is the toughest to circumnavigate this whole social distancing thing because everybody is packed in together yeah and you know part of that is like just watching out for the artist too i mean geez you know you're you're thinking about the audience and things like that but you got to think about how many people are working back shows how many people are you know working on, on the crew i mean it you know, there's a whole other village, and that's one of the concerns, you know, for a lot of local theaters. There's just as many people backstage as there are out, right. up, you know, front. And so, like, at a, at a concert, and I worked, you know, I used to work at Tax Player, and oh my gosh, like, it is the entire community of humans that put all of yeah. that together. And I can't imagine, you know. And what's interesting about this whole thing that's really come to light is how many people make their full-time living as a musician or an actor mm-hmm. or an artist of some sort in this community that I don't think this area realized how many people were doing that full time until this hit and you see all of these people out of work. I mean, it's an, it's yeah. an insane amount of people that are, you know, doing this full time. And um, that's just crazy to me that, that I guess maybe we just didn't realize that. Well, I think one of the- I mean, it just, yeah, it just takes. I mean, I'm a, I have a musical background, but I I can't imagine making my living, my full time living, off music. And you have to have obviously a lot of courage and persistence, and to be able to put yourself out there and be able to pursue your passion like that. And, and my my hats off to people that try to make a living like that. But then you're at the whims of the economy or or this crisis that is just unimaginable. Let's talk about some of the interesting ways in which people have pivoted. I, that was one of the things that we had to deal with at QuadCities.com from the very beginning when, um, you know, back in late February, uh, I first started noticing this, and I was thinking to myself, I was talking to Steve Holmes, who's the publisher of the site, and telling him, hey, listen, within a couple of weeks, we might not have anything to write about because, you know, 90% of the stuff on the site is... is, uh, is used to doing reviews yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I mean we're we're covering live event we're covering events that are happening around the Quad Cities and I said we've re- you know uh we've got to completely change the paradigm of our site and uh go in a completely different direction and I think you know we've been able to adapt really well in bringing in a lot more digital programming and doing obviously ex- ex- exhaustive coverage of everything that's been going on whether it's cancellations, postponements, um people doing online events, things of that nature and we've done more features on people we've done more larger features on you know themes and on the people who make the art around the quad cities um and i've seen a lot of you know it's been interesting to me to see how other uh arts groups who whose livelihood is like ours completely dependent usually upon events uh, make that pivot over to online and to do different things. And we especially saw it, I think at first, the first couple of weeks, I think everybody was kind of like, what the hell are we going to do? But now we've really started to see uh, that transition online into different things. What are some of the things that you guys have seen that, um, you know, have been particularly interesting or exciting to you? Um, I just think, you know, a lot of the volunteer, it's not necessarily art specific, but, um, you know, when I uh, wrote about the woman who's part of the quilt group or the people who are making masks, the people who are, you know, presenting the curbside concerts and people who are just trying to find other ways to, to adapt to this situation, just writing about the, uh, the impact this has had on the community and how people are, are stepping up and really being generous with their time and effort and whether it's volunteer or whether it's taking on extra work that they didn't anticipate and it's just really inspiring to me how people come together in times of crisis and they're just supporting each other and the, the, I mean, the QC High group is a great example of that in terms of musicians that are supporting each other and even the, the groups that are receiving donations you know take, uh, take money out of, out of their own pocket to help other people and just that kind of rallying around the, the flag and then helping each other. 
I think it's been interesting to see how artists are adapting to presenting, you know, what they have online. I know a lot of actors are now putting out songs daily or, you know, monologues or, you know, I've been involved in like three or four short films that have been shot throughout the country and people just piecing them together. Um, you know, Circuit did something really cool with the virtual cabarets, getting people from the past together to sing a song. A lot of theaters are doing that across the country and now in the area. And I know Buttries.com has some plans to do some similar things. Um, I just talked to Khalil this morning about how we can do that. And uh, it's been interesting to see just how show business in general has adapted because they're starting to learn that the internet is their friend and social media is their friend and there can, a lot can be done to reach a wider audience with it. So another silver lining is, oh, you can reach audiences with, you know, just outside of our walls as well. I think that's going to be very beneficial as we start to open up places are going to be reaching an audience that's not just coming to their theater, but, you know, and I think there's going to be a way eventually that theaters and, and live music venues are going to be able to monetize off of that. So those that don't want to necessarily go out yet can still pay a ticket and watch a show. Um, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the business of a show looks like moving forward. Yeah, I think that uh, it, it, it's something that has always been looming. I mean, we know that, you know, the majority of people live kind of a, a life that transcends live re, you know, reality and the virtual world. And we've seen that all the more during this time. And for us, it's certainly been something that's been beneficial because we've just expanded our digital repertoire. And once things get back to normal-ish, um, we're going to expand, you know, go back and, and continue our coverage of live events. But we'll also have a lot of these digital shows. We'll have a lot of this other um, programming that we've got on QuadCities.com. And I'm curious as to how many other theaters are going to continue to pursue some of the things that they've, you know, that they birthed during the this time i mean i would hope <clears throat> that you would see a lot of these theaters recognize the possibility of multimedia um promotion and and putting art out there in a digital platform and you'll see some really interesting stuff uh that people are putting together once everything you know and even it would be kind of cool um and obviously like Tristan, this will strike a chord with you because this will be reminiscent of a conversation we had two decades ago before we did your favorite band. Um, uh, I think it'd be cool to see, like when you and I were doing, you know, when we were doing your favorite band. Um, you know, I was like, I really, I have this, these, these two scripts, and one's a movie script, and one's a live theater script, and I want to join the two of them. So why don't we just do the some of the scenes like a movie, and then we'll do some of the other scenes like a live theater. Um, it would be really cool to see um, a theater or an arts organization incorporate some of the things, some of the things online on social media or in the virtual world that they've created during this time in a live show setting. It would be really kind of neat to see that uh, hybridization. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. And you know, it's funny, Sean, you mentioned that because I texted you about this a couple weeks ago, but I was looking through some old journals and like, uh, I had a journal from 2002 from a meeting you and I had <laughs> about, uh, about, about that and just like, at some and it was it was along the lines of the screenshot of you it was really funny. It was like along the lines at some time some point, you know, you're not you're gonna do this watch a show in the theater. At some point you're gonna watch it from somewhere and you'll be able to like just you know, somehow network in to watch something mm -hmm. and that's you know, kind of where we started to come up with the idea of how we produce that, which nothing has been done like that since. Um, in part because it was so much damn work. <laughs> In part because it was so much work to do that, so yeah, it was not easy. <laughs> no, and neither, and neither and neither will this be. But you know, it'll also be. I think it it opens the door to something really cool and creative um, to be able to pull something off like this. And it's the same thing with where I would hope that I would hope that you know so many artistic and creative minds will have their imagination jogged 
by this time and by this adaptation. Because as we all know, the genesis of creation is often conflict or some sort of obstacle, crisis. It's, it's some sort of obstacle that needs to be overcome. And a lot of times people go, wow, how the, how the hell did you think of that? How did, how did you think of doing it that way? And a lot of times it's, well, we had no choice and we had to kind of figure out a way to solve this problem. And I remember when we were staging shows in the speakeasy, the speakeasy is kind of a small, narrow space. And we'd have to come up with all these interesting ways to stage shows because because of the space. And a lot of theater companies are the same way where they've got a certain space and they're like, okay, how the hell are we going to do this? And they come up with a really imaginative way to do it. Well, now we're in the same kind of position where people are really stuck in a position where they are not sure where things are going. They don't know, well, how am I going to pull this off? And so we're seeing the creative and imaginative minds of artists at work in this evolution of it. And I'm really excited to see what's going to come out of the other end in terms of this entire time period, I think we're going to see some really interesting art that comes out of this whole well, this think, whole conflict. Yeah, I think what you're going to see is a lot of original work, too, mm-hmm. because people are going to find out that, okay, we can't pay to stream that production, then what are we going to do? We have to do something, and how can we monetize this online? All right, let's come up with our own show. Yeah. There's actually a dinner theater in Pennsylvania doing this right now. They came up with their own show. It's called Quarantine the Musical. it's a a show that's being done remotely from various people's houses they're putting together but then they're charging they're charging for dinner they can pick up the dinner at the theater and take it back to their home and watch the show they just gotta have like a code so you know I think you're gonna see a lot of interesting things like that where people are gonna come up with original work so that they can stream it so they can get all of the funds back Mm -hmm. you know what I mean I I I think there's gonna be a lot of good that comes from this it's not great at the moment I'm not a big fan of it um because I went from performing for hundreds of people a night to performing for no one, and it's been two months. And let me tell you, don't discount Harper. Crazy. Don't don't discount don't discount your daughter and her and you know watching you perform, Tristan. You know she's over me, and she does not think I'm entertaining, even you know uh, ever. So I need someone. I, I need my old ladies of circa, man. I need them. I need them. <laughs> Just wait till she's about 13. She's going to be, Dad, you're embarrassing me. (laughs) Oh, she's already saying that. It's really bad. (laughs) But, yeah, I've heard that. I mean, from some of the stories I've done and some of the museums in the area and the RME, and, yeah, they're they're definitely going to continue, you know, doing their alternative programming when they when they ever get back to normal, you know, they're going to continue virtual museums or they continue the curbside concerts and things that have been proven successful and they're just different ways of reaching their audience and they're just different kind of channels and mediums that they can still, um, you know, serve their mission and still reach people. And yes, yeah, definitely they're going to take these creative ideas and be permanent, permanent parts of their rep- repertory. Now let, let's talk a little bit about the, the art scene the um art gallery scene um one of the things that we're going to be doing on quadcities.com is we're going to have we're going to start up the quadcities.com virtual art gallery where um we're currently putting it together so that we can allow local artists an opportunity to have their artwork seen online and then people can purchase them um through a link on the website now that's something that was really hard hit even prior to COVID, we saw um, Midcoast, which was a Goliath on the local art scene for decades, um, unfortunately die. And, that, and they were going to go down prior to COVID. They, they unfortunately, due to COVID, had their their finale canceled, which was really sad. Um, but they were they had their hands in so many different venues. The largest one, of course, being Bucktown. Um, how are you know? that in and of itself before COVID was a gigantic blow to the art gallery scene in the quad cities. And now of course we've seen all of them kind of wiped out. How how do you see, you know, that evolving and is the, you know, the virtual art gallery going to be something, uh, a trend of the future? 
it seems like you got some great great response already uh, to the to the call for yeah. artists to take part. So I mean, that's definitely a need that uh, you know you know you can serve that need. And every every artist is looking for that kind of exposure. So that, I mean, that's a great idea, and it's a way for more people to have their art seen and the virtual makes it easy for people at home to to peruse and to purchase art um but and in terms of the live uh, the live spaces i mean quad city arts is probably picking up a lot of the, the slack uh, left by midcoast and they're taking over the river sounds festival and a mm-hmm. number of uh, midcoast activities but i think the demand for the local artists to have their work seen it is you know it's greater than ever and so you're, you're definitely seeing a, a need there yeah. Then it- I, I think you're gonna. I, I think you're gonna see. You know, it's just like anything else. I, I think an art gallery is still going to be a thing. Yeah. I just think you know you're gonna have the option to do it. I don't think it's ever gonna go away. No, it shouldn't. I, mean? I don't just- think this is going to destroy it. I, I, I don't think it, it should ever go away because there is, you know, as an artist myself, I, you know, there's a, a big difference between seeing something online um, in two dimensions. Tristan, have the cops finally caught up with you? Yeah, yeah, no, there's fire truck, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, there's a there's a big difference between seeing a painting or a sculpture, a sculpture especially in real life in 3D, than there is seeing it online. I mean, you don't get the scope, you don't get you don't get to see the brush strokes and all the different uh, you know that's, tangible yeah, elements of it. Com- that's comparable to the live, yeah, the live music or theater yeah, it, it in really person is. or online. <laughs> it really is, and and so I'm hoping that. Um, I'm hoping that Quad City Arts um, or other organizations really kind of step in because, yeah, the death of Midcoast was a very, a very sad thing because I, I remember when Dean Schroeder, you know, at the sort of beginning of it, um, he was such an integral force to that and such a great, great guy pouring so much effort into that and to see it go down. Um, just kind of sad and you're seeing a lot and that, that met the end of a lot of arts venues the artery and a number number of other places in the in the quad cities so i'm hoping when this gets um this whole covid thing gets in the rearview mirror uh we're gonna see some other venues kind of pick up the slack on that now what about um you know any other sort of <clears throat> entertainment or, or or anything else that um you know you see negatively i mean as a as a writer obviously i've seen i haven't been able to do book signings so my income has been adversely affected by this i know other writers are the same way um you know myself max collins connie wilson all of us are extremely active in terms of promoting our work and going out and doing signings and doing book fairs and things of that nature um that's also been impacted uh negatively um do you see any we, we touched on this a little bit earlier Tristan, with the the quarantine, the musical. Do you see that the quarantine um, and this time, just the the oddity of this social experience uh, having its own genre down the road, where people are writing about their their quarantine time because it's been such a weird thing, and and it, and it's weird for everybody differently because obviously, if you've got you know someone you know like myself, I mean, I'm a single parent. I've got a son, so really the only people I see, I see him, I see me. So I have a lot of time by myself. When he's at his mom's house, that's just me. Whereas, and and single people, same way. I mean, they've got a lot of times by a lot of time by themselves. But if you've got, you know, if you're, you're married, you have kids. There's a lot of people in the house, and it's again, it's a very different experience. Everybody's spending a lot more time together than they had before, which can be positive and can be negative as we've seen in regard to um unfortunately domestic violence incidents and things of that nature uh how do you see this impacting the content of of art um down the line as this sort of ripples out and in the expression of this time yeah i made a joke the other day about uh to a friend of mine about i cannot wait to see the 
quarantine-based Shakespeare production where <laughs> every production of Shakespeare that you're going to see is going to be based in not apocalyptic times, but in quarantine times. Mm-hmm. And I'll be kind of curious to see right. the spin on that because, you know, it has been a very interesting time with a lot of very interesting dynamics. And I know, for one, my daughter's over me at this point. Like, <laughs> she spent so much time with me, like, to the point where, like, <laughs> she, uh, she, she said to me last night, she goes, Dad, I, I really want to spend the night at my mom's tonight. And I said, well, yeah, you are, because, you know, we have to set time and everything. Right. And she goes, okay, good, because, like, I love you, but I need a different, I need a change of scenery. <laughs> You know, it's, it's so interesting. Like, you know, it's kind of like reminds me of the the scene in uh, Talladega Nights where the two kids go two Christmases. It's 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 such a different dynamic. Like, you know, at one point, um, the whole child of divorce and rip back and forth between two homes was was such a traumatic thing, and 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 I think psychologists saw it as being this awful thing. And I, I'm not saying that it's ideal, um, but on the other hand, I think you see kids nowadays are so much more resilient in regard to it and they just kind of take yeah. it in stride and maybe it's because you know yeah they adapt and and maybe it's because you know i mean i split up from from my ex when when jackson was just uh what two and a half three years old and i know you and you and you know um your ex kind of split up when harper was young too and so when they're younger they don't really you know it, it, they just kind of grow up seeing that as kind of like the normal and so it's interesting to me to see how kids adapt to that and they're like oh, yeah this is just the way it goes and um as opposed to it being this gigantic traumatic thing to them and they almost see it as kind of like oh well i get to have this house and i get to have this house and of course there's the two christmases factor and two birthday parties factor too so um that is kind of interesting yeah, um yeah, she, she's been great like she just you know like because i was the one homeschooling her and stuff because uh, jessica works uh-huh. you know and she's working from home but she works more of a full-time gig and i have a little more freedom with all the things that I do and so like Harper just by you know default just spends a lot more time with me right now and like she finally reached the point in the last like couple weeks where she's been like okay like I love you and you're great (laughs) but like you know like Oh, but like, you, you know, please go away. <laughs> Love or, like, you, but. Like, she'll be like, just let me play. You do your thing. Go, we'll do whatever you're gonna do. But I'm gonna play and leave me alone. So, um, <laughs> you know. well, wow. The, well, going going back to what you were saying in regard to the the Shakespeare, more, one of I mean, one of the things I thought of is just the fact that there's going to be a lot of black box productions. I mean, you think about it. Um, oh, yeah. How many how many yeah. small plays are there that are just set with a, you know, a cast of like three people and they're in one room plays? This just writes itself, really. I mean, there's going to be so many plays that are going to be put out there about the time of quarantine, oh, and yeah. really, it's one setting. You have one set, and you have you know a handful Something of actors. Less it's less expensive to do, and you're going to see. I, I have a feeling you're going to see an explosion of of stuff like that. And um, what I that that's more kind of a natural transition where you can very easily yeah. see the segue from that to that. But what I'm curious yeah. about is to see how other art forms are going to adapt to something like this, and how we might see like a movie set in the time of quarantine or or, or you know well, you might see yeah, something that yeah, that explores both the mental aspect of it as well as the physical and you'll see right. kind of like these transitions between somebody being very isolated in their physical setting but then maybe they're using their you know mind to escape into some different realm or something yeah. like that or whatever it'd be right. kind of curious to right. see well and i know you know i know i've heard a lot of theaters talk about how you know by just sheer because of the numbers and you know Denny was talking about it in the interview that him and I did where he was like you know phase five phase four or something is like um, no less than 50 or no more than 50 people and he's like you know at any given time we have up to 75 people working a night here between the cast the busters the kitchen staff everybody right. there's like 75 people so he's like at some point like you know theaters are going to end up doing such small cast shows just to keep under like a minimum and so I think, you know, you're right, Sean, a lot of uh, things are going to be kind of small cast because about, they're about the quarantine, but also I think theaters are going to be looking at small cast stuff just to make sure that their social distancing can be a thing. Because that's one thing that I'm super curious about to see how social distancing can work on stage with a lot of shows. Because there's some shows that you can't. And mm-hmm. I think this, right. this topic in particular 
I think it screams for Martin McDonough yeah. writing his yeah. little ass off. Yeah. Like, and a playwright like that is going to like thrive because his shows are so alienating and distancing already. Right. So. <laughs> right. I think I think we should do a show. I think Tristan, we should do a show where, and I'll, I'm going to start writing this script where you have. Um, you incorporate uh, online video and uh, immersive online experiences with the live theater experience. And during times of the production, um, people will have a list of links in a program that they get when they come into the theater. And during the segues, they're asked to like go to that particular link. Like you'll have scene three, and they'll have to go onto their phones and watch scene three on their phones and then come back to the live theater for the next scene. I think it'd be fun. Uh, that's be... true multimedia. Exactly. Exactly. I think it'd be yeah, really Tom, cool. You know, Tom, a number of years ago, Tom Waldresser had a really cool idea and he directed the Rocky Horror Show because he had everything on a jumbotron. Right. And so, like, at various points, the camera would go to various points in the theater and you'd see something you can't see. Well, him and I talked, you know, years ago about wouldn't it be neat if, like, if you had your, and this technology in 2012 wasn't available, but if you could get on your phone in the middle of the show and just kind of pick which part of the show you want to see up close. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously we couldn't pull that off then, but he did a pretty good job of making it happen with that jumbotron of like, okay, we want to feature the narrator here. who the audience couldn't see, he was in a separate part of the, the building. But it, it was interesting, and I think, Sean, that would be, you know, something very, it's like a true show and adventure, but, you know, right. with your phone, and it'd be a very interesting thing to, to see if it could work out. And of course, if we said it during the time of COVID, we'd have to um, do a uh, one scene that featured uh, a spinoff of the Tiger King. Of course. Well, of course, Tiger King got us all through. Uh-huh, right, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that, that. That the column that I wrote the other day, talking about. Um, the strangeness of why certain entertainment seemed to jump to the fore during this time. And, it, and it's true. I mean, you look at the fact that we're all kind of isolated and we've got this vast galaxy of entertainment out there uh, on Netflix, on Hulu, all, all over the place, all over the place. And yet people tended to gravitate towards this handful of things that seem to strike a chord with them. I mean, it's true. It's just strange. And part of it, you can chalk up to herd mentality and people going on Facebook and, oh, yeah, so-and-so recommends this. But why these things? I mean, why specifically? I mean, especially Tiger King. Tiger King just kind of came along. And, 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 and of all the things that you could pick on Netflix, Everyone just seemed to gravitate towards it, and for a time, it was just ubiquitous. I mean, it just struck a gigantic chord with people. And as I said in my column, I think a lot of it was because nobody knew what the hell was going on in the world, and the ti- and Tiger King reflects that. Tiger King, it's this bizarre, chaotic mess of humanity that ends up kind of having made sense. They kind of make sense out of it. It's weird. Yeah, and I don't think any other show, honestly, not to get, like, super political, not to keep it brief, but I I don't think really any other show captured or, like, symbolically just gave us a narrative so close to the political climate as that did. Yeah. I mean, Joey Dodd is crazy, but people love him. And honestly, like, I watched it with a sense of, like, what the hell is going on? This is so fucking crazy. But I know a lot of people that like kind of like lifted up Joe Exotic on a pedestal and were like, he's just everything. And I was like, no, what are we, did you miss it? Like, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's too big of a jump to look at Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin and see Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi. I mean, seriously, it's, it's really weird. It's weird to see the parallel. And you can look at different, and obviously, you know, Nancy Pelosi didn't kill her husband and feed him to tigers, and and Donald Trump is in in prison on you know animal cruelty charges. But just the personalities, and even certain elements of the way they look and and the way they act and things like that, that was the predominant political clash that's been going on during this time. And in some ways, you look at those two characters, and it's and it's similar. You see similarities. It's really weird. I 
think Netflix, their marketing team is on it. I oh, mean, they fantastic. are. Yeah. So for them to release that when they did could not have been more perfect. Yes. I mean, yeah. right. Zeit, I mean, that guy was ready, and the, I mean, it was crazy. How like if they timed that a week earlier or a week later, it would not have worked. No. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, oddly enough, uh, the wrong Missy, I think, is going to be the next big thing. That just got released, and I was sending you clips from that last night. I watched that. That's hilarious. And it's, yeah. and it's just, again, it's one of those things where I think it's just dropping at the right time yeah. where people people need to laugh people need to just have yeah. big stupid escape. laughter and escape and the, the wrong well, missy is just know, such an awful raunchy comedy but it's it's funny too i mean it's it's got a heart too in a little yeah. bit of a way you know i also think that jordan documentary was at least at a good time it was too that yeah kind of you know the last I mean? dance like, i i think I think it was all such good timing on their part. So good for Netflix. Well, yeah, and and um, yeah, I mean, like I was saying with the Last Dance, it's it is sad. I mean, it's sad, and it's not just sad in watching it and thinking, oh man, you know, they could have won another championship, but they were kept together and everything else. But it's sad looking back at that time because really, you think about it, in the '90s were the last kind of innocent, quote unquote, innocent time for this country. It was before 9/11. We didn't have the Patriot. The economy was booming. I mean, and Jonathan, you yeah. and I, you and I worked together at the Argus and the Dispatch, and I think we've yeah. talked multiple times. That was really the last great time for journalism here in the Quad Cities, too, because Ron Sutton was just one of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life, aside from being the best editor I've ever worked with. And just the, the Times had a lot of great reporters, too. I mean, we, you know, it was a fantastic time, honestly, for, for the Quad Cities in a lot of ways. The art scene was booming. There's a lot of great things going on back in the 90s. And that all changed very drastically at the beginning of the new millennium with 9-11 and everything else. And since then, since 9-11, it's just been a, a freaking roller coaster and it hasn't, you know, been a lot of dips. And in looking at the last dance, you see, you know, wow, the, the, you know, the biggest thing we had to worry about was the president getting a blowjob. I mean, honestly, that was that was it. You know, that was that was the big deal that was going on, and people made a big deal out of that. Um, Roseanne, remember Roseanne's lesbian kiss? I mean, that was like another huge thing. You know, Roseanne had a lesbian kiss on her show, and people were going nuts over that. They're really the the the, the scandals, quote unquote, scandals of the '90s, are just seem so ridiculously petty. Now compared to what's been going on, it's like twenty twenty. It's like twenty twenty said, "Just hold my beer and let me show you what scandal is." Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it it is. It's just strange how entertainment does. It strikes upon the zeitgeist in so many ways. And um, as I mentioned in my column, I don't know whether it's some sort of strange subconscious thing that's going on where people just gravitate towards these things or if it's a, a causal effect of synchronicity or it's just just damn plain coincidence or whatever. But it seems during this time that we've seen that all the more where there's been a lot of stuff that's just kind of stricken a chord. Um, the other thing that's really strange is that, <clears throat> and and I welcome this quite wholeheartedly, is I think you're starting to see a backlash against the phoniness and artifice of celebrity, of certain celebrities, where, remember when all the celebrities came out and sang Imagine, and everybody was like, fuck this shit, this is fucking ridiculous, you know, all these rich people, why are, they, they have no problems, they don't have anything to worry about, they're not losing their jobs, they're all millionaires, you know, and it just seemed very phony, it really just flopped with people. What do you guys, in regard to that, same thing with a lot of reality TV show stars. I mean, a lot of people just seem to be very down on the Kardashians and people like that because they look at their own lives and they're like, man, I haven't worked in two months. You know, I, I'm struggling here. I, I'm tr- struggling to get by. And then you look at somebody like this being like, oh, I can't get my hair dyed or I can't, you know, go to Louis Vuitton or whatever. And honestly, it just really d- rings hollow. Well, you know, I think actors, it's, it's interesting because, like, everyone's losing work and everyone's out of work currently. However, there's a difference between being out of work as a regional theater actor and being out of work as a 
former television star that was on something for a decade and has millions in the bank. Right. There's a big difference between being out of work that way. So, you know, I know a lot of, like, middle-of-the-road actors like myself, we all look at it and we're like, yeah, we're out of work, and that means we don't have paychecks coming in. Right. You being out of work means you can just, you have to just rest on the money you've already made. Well, that's nice. However, you know, when this is your your full-time income, which it is for me and a lot of other people, it's a little bit more stressful, and I do think I'd lost more hair during this time, <laughs> and I care to admit... <laughs> Um, but like you know, so you're saying I, the Rob Cord the Rob Cordry one man show is really going to be a, a hit, dude. It's coming. It is coming. <laughs> but uh, and you know what? I'm just going to embrace it soon. You know, like my my girlfriend is like, don't please don't do it. And I was like, it's coming because like the islands are starting to like meet. You know what I mean? Like there's just, right. not a lot going on up there, and I'm just not going to do it. But I, I think it is interesting when I do see a celebrity on Instagram complain about, like, oh, my my next gig got canceled. And I was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. The $2 million you have in the bank isn't going to be enough uh-huh. to get you by. I know. Oh, that sucks. Well I, well, I have 400 So, you know, and I don't know where my credit card is. Yeah. Yeah. And you haven't seen a lot of, I don't know if you've seen a lot of celebrities step up with their bank account in terms of, and making donations or trying to support all these artists and other people that are really struggling now and you think that would be a logical step for them to take but you, you would think so you, you would think there'd be a lot i mean there's some lady gaga has i think pink has um yeah, I mean, they've done some benefit yeah. events on yeah and, they, and they've then they've donated money i know lady gaga donated quite a bit and i think pink donated a few million as well um yeah, yeah. and uh you know there have been some certainly that have that have done that have stepped up but yeah you know you don't have that live aid moment you know i mean remember you know live aid when i mean bob sure. geldoff saw the starving people kids in africa and all of a sudden called a bunch of his buddies they record a song then that raises millions of dollars and they do this gigantic concert well you haven't had that live aid moment where you've had you know tom hanks or somebody who everybody loves be like hey we're gonna do this thing and it's gonna help all these people and blah 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 i mean you've had stuff here or there but it's kind of almost surprising that you haven't had those particular those particular uh, charitable enterprises that have been going on out there as much well and what's interesting about that is the fact that you know in those times it's been like okay this group is dealing with this but i'm not really dealing with it but I think everybody's dealing with it now, so everyone's just, like, holding everything close to their vest because they just have no idea when show business will open up. Like, I talked to some show business friends of mine out in L.A. We were on a Zoom call the other day, and I kind of asked, you know, even at your level, is anything happening? And they're like, no, <laughs> not even, no, you know, at their yeah. level. Right. You know, so I, it's just an interesting time because everybody's, everybody's on the same playing field, but everybody's not, you know what I mean? Right. So... It's so weird. Show business is weirder than it was before. No, that's possible, right? No, and that's one thing that's that's kind of weird is that, like you mentioned, everybody, everyone from the smallest theater and art gallery to the biggest in the world, and and, you know that was one of the things that you and I talked, Tristan, you and I talked about, um, is when people were saying, "Oh, this isn't that big of a deal. This isn't a this is just a hoax, or blah blah blah, whatever." And then and then Disney closed. Disney never closes. You know, I mean, these gigantic multi-million dollar companies start closing their doors and start suspending production. I mean, let's face it. These these companies are are guided by a very specific um, a very specific motivation of greed, of massive greed on a gigantic level. When when they close, you know that something's wrong. You know that something's going on. Well, and like a company like Disney closing, that's when I knew things were really going down. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh man, if they are, and honestly, because they're the gold standard. I mean, if they don't think something's safe, they don't really care how much money they're going to lose because, you know, death, safety, and health is like utmost important to them. And so, like, they're also a good standard for when they start to reopen, is when things can start to kind of like go back to normal because, you know, they're a company that's going to look out for that kind of thing. Because they have to, because they, you know, they're rooted in get customer service, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a standard against which everyone else should look. 
sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, the um, you know local musicians and people uh, you know doing uh, tip jar virtual tip jar performances, and let's touch a little bit on the OnlyFans phenomenon too, which is, is something that you know has just has exploded in the time of COVID, where you're seeing people. Um, do a variety of things on OnlyFans. I mean, obviously, the the more infamous, you know, thing that people think of with OnlyFans is, you know, pornography. Um, and there have been a lot of people that have turned to that, whether it's softcore, it's just, you know, people selling nudes or people, like, doing straight-up pornography on, on OnlyFans. Um, but then you've also seen a lot of musicians and artists doing things on OnlyFans as well, trying to get that kind of, you know, the virtual tip jar thing going on. And, you know, one of the things I've seen, you know, on my Facebook, I mean, I've got 5,000 people on Facebook, so I see a, a wide variety and a panoply of, of people from across the country, across the world, um, and um, there are some people who are, they're very desperate, and so it's it's tough, you know, do uh, you have other people who are judging these people? But then you, those people, I think, who are judging them for this or that or the other thing, or, oh, this is pathetic that they're doing that and begging for money or blood. They don't understand that these people are in a position where they, they don't know where rent is coming from. You know, you can't, you can't judge somebody yeah. until you've stepped in their shoes. And when somebody is, has their job and their, their, only, their only income taken away from them completely, and they don't have the benefit of having, you know, thousands of dollars in the bank, maybe they only have a, a couple yeah. hundred dollars in the bank, they've got to eat, they've got rent, they've got, you know, other bills to pay and everything else. Um, it's re- you can't really judge somebody on making a move towards something of that nature uh, when when something like that, when a tragedy like, tragedy like this arises. Well, you know, when, and I, when the theater, you know, shut down, a lot of people were like, so what are you going to do? You're going to get a job at another theater? And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Show business is shut down across the world. Like, there's no other theater I can go to. It's not like I can just go get another job. And at that time, you know, I mean, the job market is just kind of really scarce because there's millions of people looking for a job. And listen, there was a period about a month ago where I'm not going to lie. I signed up for a Pornhub account thinking I would send whatever I need to send to make some money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I'm not even going to lie to you. What? It almost got to the point where I was like, I guess I'm going to whip out my penis for money. I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right. Wow. <laughs> right. There's, 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 there's that. There's that. There's that niche. There's that niche of Rob Cordry porn fanatics that you're really like looking to hit. Yeah. I wasn't even going to OnlyFans, right? I was going straight to Pornhub. You know? Wow. <laughs> Make, you gotta do make, what you gotta do. Right, make sure that yeah, you know. Make sure you let us know if that happens, Tristan. We'll make sure that we put that out look, there. You know, look, dad bobs are in right now. I was gonna capitalize on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is a questionable exclusive right there. No, no, I'll have the I'll have the story written up here by the afternoon. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tristan Tabs got considered going to porn. Right. Stay, stay tuned. Are you cut or uncut? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you have to, you have to join my Pornhub account to find out. I guess. Well, yeah. Uh, well, you can you do your own show, QC Unclosed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but no, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't judge anybody for going that route because you have to do what you have to do. Right. Oh yeah. Got to pay the bills. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so many of the so many of the people who are judging, I'm, really, you've never looked at you've never looked at porn. You never looked at anything like that, honestly. I mean, come on, a lot of the people who are doing all the judging, they're they're doing the looking and they're doing the buying on this OnlyFans stuff and everything else. I mean, they don't really have they're living in a glass house if they're throwing stones at these other people. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, you do what you got to do. And I mean, I, I don't judge people for. The decision that they make when their decisions are being made specifically to kind of get by and pay their bills and, and make Hold sure on, that they're sorry. they're eating and stuff, you know. Um, okay. So, Tr- Tristan, I'll I'll judge you very harshly though. 
here on the uncut, you know. I'll judge you very harshly because you didn't tell us about that. You didn't allow us to like put it out there on a show. I mean, come on. I hope that it, I hope that if you do do that, you go under the name Mike Honcho. Now, I'll probably just go under the name Rob Cordry. Yeah. There you go. All right. So now that we got to this depth of uh, this, the, the the conversation, um, any anything else that uh, <laughs> that that we should mention in regard to this? Um, I mean, what is, you know, it's hard to say. What is the what does the future hold? But uh, really, nobody knows at this point. It is uh, May twenty first. Uh, like I said just yesterday, JB Pritzker, governor of Illinois, announced that places could open up on on May 29th, albeit with social distancing restrictions. Over in Iowa, it's kind of a free for all. Uh, Kim Re- Governor Kim Reynolds kind of. Open everything up, and um, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. We don't know. Everything could be fine. Everything could be great, and hopefully it is. Hopefully everybody gets out there, and you might see a little bit of a bump up in in regard to infections and stuff. But everybody gains herd herd uh, immunity, and everything is cool. And by fall, you know it's kind of like in the past. Hopefully, hopefully, but you don't know. We you know if there's another spike up, and all of a sudden there's more fatalities or whatever, or this or that. Um, you know, uh, that's it's going to throw things a kilter again, and, and then we might see everything can't you know shut down again, and, and a lot more things canceled. And if that's the case, worst case scenario, there's going to be a far longer gap between you know the time we see any sort of live performance or anything of that nature. Um, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts or feelings in regard to what you think is going to happen or how things are going to shake out? The arts are, are going to arrive, and nothing's really going to stop them. And that's going to be the that's, the that's the hope we have to hold on to. Yeah, I mean, so much is up in the air. I, I hope everything can return to some semblance of normal, but like with audience limitations and people's concerns with, um, you know, transmission, there's still going to be concerns from a lot of audience members. And, you know, I don't know if it can return to the, the way it was before, but I mean, I think the whole, the whole crisis has pointed out like Tyson, um, Tyson and RME said in one of the articles that, uh, this really proves the importance and the value of arts to the society because everybody's who's stuck at home and everybody's watching what they want to watch and trying to find comfort and, and, um, and joy and, and the things that they want to see in the arts, music and theater and film provide that. And you hope that, you know, the government and the public at large would, you know, make, make sure the arts are supported the way they should be uh, compared to, you know, thinking it is a luxury or something that you can just, you know, cut and nobody will, nobody will notice the difference. Beautifully said. So... So at, we've been on the phone. We've been uh, doing the show now for a little bit over an hour, and I'm I'm sure that you know I speak for everyone out there when they're going to come away from the show and think Tristan was going to do porn. Wow, there you go. <laughs> no, well, let's, let's hope that there's a bigger picture there. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, so what? A, kind of optimistic. <laughs> if you're saying it's bigger picture. <laughs> 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 Right there, that's what we <laughs> I just have to figure out what oh, that is. There we go. There we go. Anything else you'd like to add? Anything else? Any anything else either of you would like to add to this conversation? Please, please tip your white staff and support your actors there and musicians. Go. There you go. Tr- Tr- Tristan, any anything else you'd like to divulge? <laughs> no, I think we're good. Thanks, John, for uh, doing all you're doing with the website. And, yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully everyone is tuning in, and just everyone keep on keeping on. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's about all we can do is kind of, you know, adapt and see, you know, see where things are going, and hopefully um, things will turn out for the best, and the, the local art scene will recover from this um, and do so as quickly as, as, as possible as it can. Um, as always, our hearts and our, you know, our thoughts go out to – all the people who are who are really hard hit by this, uh, the people, particularly those whose incomes 
are uh, predominantly through the arts. I mean, people who have the arts as a full-time job, people who have the arts as, you know, 70, 80% of their income, more than half their income. Um, you know, we really, you know, wish you guys the best. And as always at quadcities.com, we're trying to help out any way we can to kind of, um, you know, get the stories out there and to, to promote your artworks. So please uh, feel free to contact us here. If you've got any events going on, anything you have uh, that, uh, you know, needs local support, please uh, uh, contact us here at quadcities.com and let us know about it because we're more than happy to shine the spotlight on what you have going on. We really want to help the local art scene and uh, we're looking forward to when um, things uh, reach kind of the new normal and uh, hopefully it's as close to the old normal as possible in regard to uh, audience size and everything else. So, um, Again, thank you very much, guys, for uh, for being on the show. Thank you to me. Yeah. No problem. Thanks, John. Thank you to my guests, Tristan Tapscott and Jonathan Turner. Uh, you can uh, read uh, Jonathan's stories here on quadcities.com and see Tristan's digital shows here on quadcities.com. Uh, cooking time this week, Tristan. Is that minestrone? It is minestrone. It is great. Ooh. Look, look, real, real, real quick. Why don't you touch upon the touch upon the cooking show idea? Because people have said that to me. They're like, Tristan's doing a cooking show. How come, and how come, how come you didn't call it like nothing but time? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, I could have. Like, cooking time was easy, but also, like, honestly, for the very reason I had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, "Why did you do a cooking show?" And I was like, "Yeah, but are you watching it?" And they're like, "Well, yeah." Right. I was curious there you go. Right. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think it's been really funny. I mean, um, it, it's sure. very entertaining. So that's a cool show. If you haven't, folks, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Cooking Time with Tristan Tapp, Scott, please do so on, on quadcities.com. It's a great show. So, so, so once again, thanks a lot, guys, for being on the show. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to QC Uncut, Uncut, Unedited, Uncensored Conversation with Local Newsmakers. My guests today, Jonathan Turner and Tristan Tapscott of QuadCities.com. You can check out their work and mine as well on QuadCities.com. Please do. Um, this is Sean Leary, and hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>